Hey everyone, it's Adrian from the Pageant Project with you. I can barely remember my own name. I've done that many interviews. My special guest for this afternoon, Sydney time, because we're both in the same city for once, is Amber Sydney Dew, who is a Miss Grand Australia national finalist. Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me finally on the show. I've been wanting to jump on here for a number of years now, so it's good to be back on. I feel like I had to drag you kicking and screaming. I've been chasing you to do. And can you actually remember, because I don't actually know this, how did you first connect with me? Because it was way back. I remember you sending me a message when I was living on the Gold Coast about how I didn't know what the big four were. And you thought I was someone else. You thought I was a director. <laughs> I thought you were uh, my pageant director from a different pageant from a long time ago. <laughs> Oh. What? Okay, I don't exactly. Oh, this was your page. I didn't. I didn't know. So, how did you find me in the first place? Did you follow me because you thought I was your director? Maybe. Well, Maybe. It's a okay. It was a long, long, long time ago. It must have been four or five years ago. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the easy question. Can you introduce people? Can you tell people how you got into the crazy world of pageantry to begin with? Okay, so it's kind of a long story, but basically when I was at university, I went to a commerce ball. So it's basically a once an annual event where we all get together and we celebrate um, the year that has been. And when I was there, a couple of my friends in my friendship group had partners and one of my friend's partners um, was in pageantry and modeling and we actually had a photo together and they posted it on their Facebook and then a pageant director from a different pageant she actually saw that I was tagged in and she literally randomly sent me a text message on, on Facebook and she was like hey do you want to go to Taiwan to represent a Australia and I was 19 I'm like block um, and then a couple of weeks a couple of weeks went by and that girl so the friend of my friend reached out to me and she asked me you know did you reply to this lady and I'm like no this random person asking me to go to Taiwan I'm 19 years old of course I didn't reply and then she reassured me that it was in fact, a real pageant. I did a lot of investigation and I ended up just flying over by myself to Taiwan at age 19. So that's how it all kind of started. It sounds like it got off to a somewhat rocky start. You blocked your first director by the sounds of it. Uh, so apart, apart, from the, apart from that first pageant where you blocked your first director, um, <laughs> What, what, I guess the first question is what kept you in the pageant world? Because that was a little while ago. Um, and obviously, you've kept your toe in ever since then. So what got you hooked on pageantry? Was it the fashion, the competition, the networking? It was a bit of everything, to be honest. I, as I got older, I fell in love with the charity aspect of it and opportunities that came from it. And when you compete in Australia, once you've gone overseas, you kind of want a bit another taste of that because the international pageant is a whole different game. Um, the the people I've met, the places I've been, is something an experience that money can't buy. Especially with Miss International, with the just the things that I've done, people I've met, you just, you wouldn't believe it. 
Well, can you tell us, can you update us with um, your fundraising or some of the charitable work you've done? I know that you do a lot of work in the Philippines. And then I saw, I think recently you posted that you raised, frankly, an incredible amount. How, how much was it? I don't want to misquote. You were aiming for five grand. Did, uh, was it 26 grand you hit? I think it was, yeah, around 20, around 25, just under 25,000. Okay, so tell us what went into that. Tell, tell us about it, because not everyone would have been familiar with what you organised. So tell us what you organised, how it went, and how you were able to make it so successful. So as part of Mr. Grand Australia, we're given the opportunity to work with Desi, and they save children from human trafficking. So for every $1,800 a child is saved, and for every $10,000, we can actually fund a raid, which arrests the people committing these um, acts. So what I did was I wanted to do a fashion show and have a dinner, but I came to realize because I'm the wild card, I didn't really have much time to do that. So I thought, what can I arrange and organize really quickly? And I've already got two and a half to three weeks to get everyone out in a winter night. And I actually spoke to my boss. Um, she has nothing to do with pageants, but she was really interested in the in the charity itself. So I said to her, how can I get almost 100 people out to an event? What is going to bring these people? And I thought, okay, fashion show, I have my connections. And she said, yeah, but do something different, do something exciting. So we thought about having a cruise. And the good thing about having the cruise, it was just 10 minutes away from my workplace. So I thought, all right, at least I can guarantee at least 20, 20 guests because if I bring all my work um, team there, at least it's not going to be an empty boat. And then I thought one way to raise money really quickly is through businesses. I can't just keep asking hundred, hundreds, and hundreds and hundreds of people for money. Um, I ended up selling the tickets around $100 per person, which I think is a, a good amount. But I thought let's make it profitable um, in terms of marketing and exposure for a business. Because that's what I do on my Instagram. I promote a product and I get something out of it. So I thought, let's turn the tables a bit. And I reached out to my network and I ended up just asking them for money and in return um, having an opportunity for them to speak at my event or having their, their logo on the media wall and just things like that. And that's how I was able to get um, a large amount of money because it was a lot of it came through the sponsorships of the businesses and the way I got the guests was because those businesses then bought their friends or their team members there so Atal was able to do it quite quickly um, in the past though when I did my last fundraiser um, it was just my friends there so you don't necessarily need to have a big network or anything like that but it, it does help at this time I mean, that sounds like you brought it together ridiculously quickly. You must have not had much sleep in the last two or three weeks. <laughs> um, a lot of the businesses just said, you don't have to do the event. We'll just give you money. Don't stress. But I was like, no, I want to raise awareness. It's not just about the money. Part of A big part of it is raising awareness. And I actually had a guest speaker come from Destiny Rescue to speak that um, night and a lot of people in the audience were actually pretty much in tears when she was giving us some of the statistics and stories so I think I left she was able to leave a lasting impression and impact on people and that's that was a big part of my goal I knew I could raise a lot of money but could I impact a lot of people could it be memorable and it definitely was because at the end of the night I had so many people come up to me and thank me for introducing them to the organization and um, telling me they had no idea about it and 
um, just being very, very interested in the charity. And I actually had a couple of businesses even say that, can we please sponsor the next one? So people are lining up already to, to, to do it all over again, and which is definitely what I'm planning on doing. That's fantastic because that impact could also be lasting, particularly of those businesses. If they got to know Destiny Rescue and their work through you, then obviously that could be an ongoing thing um, for both parties. Uh, how does it feel? Because I've got to ask, with that amazing amount that you raised, I knew the figure of 1,800 to rescue one person. I didn't know the figure of 10,000 for a raid. How does it feel now that you could literally save, oh God, math, like, 10 or 20 individuals or yourself, the money you raise could go directly towards financing two raids. I mean, that has to feel pretty special. Yeah, it does, but it also makes me just want to double the amount all over again. It kind of makes me think that although it's good, it's still not good enough. It's still happening. It's still an issue. And it just, it's sad that whilst it's 1,800 to rescue a child, we shouldn't even have any children need to be rescued. So it's just really motivated me to to want to go out there and do more events and do more. And just out of interest, I mean, we have cruises here all the time in Sydney and it's always a harbour cruise. Where does it, where did, where did your cruise go? So mine was Docklands in Melbourne. So it was about two and a half to three hours and it just kind of sails around and it goes under the bridge, multi bridge and all the pretty lights and it, yeah, it's, it's quite photogenic, <laughs> the scenery. Was it nice and warm for you? No, it was raining. I actually thought that um, no one would come because of the rain. So I told the catering company, just take off 10, just take off 10 people. And it turns out more people than I catered for came. So we did have enough food, but I think a couple of people <laughs> afterwards went for a Macca's run for sure. <laughs> you're saying that they attended your cruise and you left them hungry is basically what you're saying. Are you here? I thought you wouldn't have shown up. It's raining. Uh, but it was all indoors. It was a double-story cruise. And so downstairs was the um, the bar and um, where the food buffet was. And we actually had a live artist on board. So they were painting an artwork. And then at the end of the night, we auctioned it. And then upstairs, we had the dance floor and the photo wall. So I was bothering everyone for photos um, because I had a giant check. So it was good for the businesses to to do that because when they now share that on their platforms, it's got the Destiny Rescue logo. So it's kind of just a, a way to spread awareness without putting in people's faces too much. Well, it sounds like you had an amazing night. Um, obviously, you've flown up to Sydney for Miss Grand Australia and it's starting tomorrow. You're literally in your hotel room right now. I just met your roommate. Um, I mean, you're, you're a seasoned, we'll call it a seasoned pageant competitor. So I'm going to ask you, how are the nerves? Are you, I mean, you've been so busy, you may not even have time to realize that you're now in Sydney. But... Think about being nervous. Um, when I first started pageantry, the part that used to just keep me up at night was the interview. But now I just feel like I have so much to say that they're going to be pushing me out the door because you can ask me what I've done and, and, and what I want to do. And I just have this just massive list. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually really confident moving forward. The only part that I'm actually not 100% sure about is um, the question and answer on stage because it could be anything. It could be any topic, but I don't think anyone goes into that 100% confident because 
no one knows the question. You you just got to think on your feet. You'll you'll yeah. you'll be fine. J just speak loudly and with confidence. And even if you say not much, people will will go. Oh, she sounds really confident. So we'll yeah. vote for her. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to ask you a bit of a like a, a deeper question. We've talked about your your fundraising and obviously that and your charity work and that's something that you do in pageants, but also I know outside of pageants. Did did you always? have that sort of as something that was really important to you to do the charity work and the fundraising before you got into pageantry or was that something that you were introduced to because of pageantry um i got introduced into pageantry when i was 19 so i don't think i really did any charity work before 18 maybe just the you know donations here and there but i think i was too young to actually physically go out and organize an event or anything like that um but yeah definitely i would give credit to to pageantry for giving me the opportunities to network with those people and because of pageantry i actually that's how i became um a gigantes island uh, philippine travel and tourism ambassador uh, charity and tourism ambassador it was because of pageantry even though i wasn't actually competing at the time and it was because of hate that I received online during those times that I became a Bully Zero ambassador. So it's all these things that technically started from pageantry that connected into something else, if that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Uh, can I get you to dig in uh, into that those two a little bit more? So both the Gigantes and the Bully Zero, because you just quickly glossed over them. But I know... <laughs> In, e in each one by itself is substantial. So elaborate a little bit on the Gigante's role that you have and the Bully Zero role that you have. So I've been going to the Philippines um, a few times since 2018 or 19. And what I do there is we um, raise money over, over here in Australia and then we bring it back to the kids in Gigantes and we supply them with school supplies. So we give them books and pens and notepads. Um, but I find that a lot of value a lot of value that they receive is necessarily just the the goods that we give them. It's also being able to speak and communicate with them and give them a bit of hope. Um, and they they do look forward to my visits. They always put on quite the show. You you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. You would not believe it. Um, and stemming from that, we do head over to Manila while we're there and we work um, with the kids on the streets there as well, which is really important because they're, they're the, they are the kids that actually don't have food and fresh water and education. So I've done a couple of workshops there where we do some colouring in and just communicating with them to help them with their skills and feeding them with fresh food and, and fresh water. What what sort of I'm just I'm looking over here because I'm trying to find a photo on your Instagram feed. So I'm not being rude. I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to find a photo. But, but when you say that they put on like a celebration for you, like uh, what? <laughs> I don't think I have photos of that because I try not to um, focus on the celebration part of it. But they do get very excited. They do have my photo up on all the hotels and all the banners in the Philippines. It's it's just a whole different world. You would not believe it. And they do a light show, they have um, a feast. This is on the Gigantes Island itself. Um, um, yeah, so that, that's on the actual island itself. That's when we were collecting um, little fish, just, just to play with, nothing too serious. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's just really fun to communicate with them. And they do remember me, although 
Last time I went, I had blonde hair, so I don't know if they're going to recognize me. <laughs> so back up a sec. They put your face on like billboards on the sides of hotels and everything? Not in Gigantes Island, but more so in um, the surrounding areas. So in Manila or, or um, those places. And I think I actually um, they do have a couple of banners, but it's not permanent or anything. I had no yeah. idea you were such a celebrity. I went to a shopping centre um, a few years ago and they had a photo of me that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> and it was at, in front of this cafe and like next to a skincare label. I'm like, okay, all right. So I took a photo with it. <laughs> I don't know who sold it to them or how it got there, but I'm going to claim it. <laughs> you, you sure it was you? It, it yeah. wasn't someone else? Okay. Yeah. I have a photo. <laughs> I was going to ask you whether you I took a photo it. next to yourself. <laughs> I definitely took a photo in front of it. <laughs> I had I no that. idea that I was in the um, in the presence of such celebrity, Amber. I had no idea you were so famous. <laughs> and what about um, what what about Bully Zero? Tell us about that. Yeah. So. Um... During COVID, I think everyone was using their computer a lot more. And I think it's quite normal and fair to say that a lot of people experienced cyberbullying in that time because I feel like people lost that sense of communication. They, they forgot that you're actually communicating to a real person and what you're actually saying matters and actually does hurt that person. So I don't want to, I didn't want to make it too much about my experience, but what I wanted to do was help ensure that this didn't happen to other people. So that's when I reached out to Bully Zero and I became a Bully Zero hero, which means a volunteer. And then once they found out about my pageantry and my passion for the organization, after about a year, they promoted me as a official ambassador. So now I had the opportunity to go around schools around near where I live, um, so around Melbourne, and um, s speak to the kids and deliver workshops there. So I'm, I don't actually deliver it, but I'm with someone who delivers it. So I kind of co-deliver it. Do you have any particular um, tips for people who are getting bullied? Because as you identified in this day and age, unfortunately, there's a lot of it going on and sometimes it's not very clear what to do, especially, you know, most of us probably wouldn't go to the police because I don't know if the police will take it seriously, but it can escalate to the point where sometimes young people, not even young people, have taken their own lives. So in terms of how to handle, let's say, haters, trolls, online bullies, all of which are in plentiful supply in pageantry, unfortunately, what are some of the tips or some of the things even you've done to sort of help deal with that? I think the very, very, very most important thing is to speak to someone about it. So speak to someone who is close to you about it. Just be honest about how it makes you feel and what it's done and then um, they can help you from there. So whether that might be blocking that person or whether that be taking legal action depending on how severe it is. But I think that having that support with you can ensure that it doesn't escalate further and that reassurance that what someone's saying isn't true. And let's say in... I'm checking the time in 48 hours, roughly, you're fortunate enough to have the Grand Australia crown placed on your head. What sort of plans do you have? I know you've had a whirlwind few weeks, but have you had time to think about, well, what would you want to do with the national crown? Yep. 
the very first thing that I would do would actually be to go over back to Higantes Island in the Philippines. They keep telling me, come back with the crowd. So I want to go back there and help promote tourism there um, because that helps, um, you know, with their with their businesses, local businesses there. And I would also want to do a fundraiser here for Destiny Rescue again. So perhaps, I don't know if I'll do it on the cruise, but maybe I would stick to my original plan of having that fashion show and raising um, double the amount that I have and that I'd also want to raise more money for um, the children in Philippines, so in Manila and Higantas Island, go over there, do some volunteering and then I'd like to go to the host country which is Bali and familiar, familiarise myself with the culture there because that's that seems to be what all the winners internationally are doing. I think that they really are immersing themselves in the culture and maybe speaking to some fashion designers and just making it half a pageant trip, half a, a charity trip. So that's kind of my initial plan. And I'm assuming that if I were to win, my platform on social media would grow. So uh, it has a little bit since I've joined actually, but I think it would grow significantly if I did win. So um, I would want to put that to good straight away. So I would be definitely continuing advocating for um, bullying prevention and sharing more tips and tricks around that. Is the economy of Gigantes, is that based primarily on tourism? I think a lot of it, yes, but it's also, uh, I believe it's one of the capitals for its fresh food. So I do think the Philippines get a lot of their fresh food from there, which is unfortunate for me because I don't really like seafood. So when I was there, I was pretty much just eating rice. <laughs> like, oh, I love this fish. <laughs> Do you not like any seafood? Um, I like canned tuna, which is kind of like flavoured a lot, so it doesn't really count. You know, I went through a phase, you can ask anyone when I was at university, I went through a phase where I ate a bowl of peas, with green peas with a, with a tin of canned tuna every single day for two years, every single day. <laughs> Why? I was addicted, so I don't know what happened, but I remember walking into uni and I had green peas left over from a roast or something from the night before. And one of my friends said, Well, they look really good. And I just remember thinking, These do look really good. So I just, <laughs> I just had them every single day. And I remember <laughs> on the weekends, I would, I would work, I used to work at um, a pool and spa shop. <laughs> And I used to test the water for people weekly, you know, oh, you need more chlorine, blah, blah, blah. And someone's wife came in and it was without the husband. And she's like, oh, are you the tuna and pink girl? And I was like, what is that? Mean? So people were talking about that I used to just eat tuna and pink. And I don't even know is that a good thing or not. But so yeah, that's my um my <laughs> seafood story. I now I now have this image when you go overseas and you think you're a celebrity for all your amazing charity work and pageantry. No, you're actually there because you're the tuna and pea girl. They should get you to do some sort of brand ambassadorship for canned tuna and peas. <sighs> oh, what you made yourself sick of seafood after that? I don't know what happened, but yeah we'd put off that now <laughs> i just prefer chocolate as you know <laughs> oh, i think oh. 
been talking for like three years. <laughs> I don't even know how that started. No, I, I can't. I was thinking about that today. I can't remember. Um, I assumed it was because you love chocolate. I don't know how you lasted on canned tuna for two years. I don't know how anyone can do one dish for what, like, literally, you think every day the same thing. Well, that's what I do now. So I don't eat tuna and peas now. But what I do is on a Sunday, I'll make all my dinners for the week and I'll make all my lunches for the week. And I can't remember a world where I used to have a different meal every day. That blows my mind. How do people have time to have a different meal every day? Because some people really enjoy foods and the variety. So what, what <laughs> are you able to share with us what your go-to meals are now? It's not tuna and peas. So what is it now? everything um i like making batches of pasta because you can freeze it and i like making minestrone soup or like a lentil soup um which was really good because i don't know about everywhere else but in victoria the this the cost of vegetables has just tripled and if you have broccoli on your plate you're you're pretty rich so i had bought all mm. these vegetables ages ago and i made soup and to this day i still have frozen vegetables in that soup in my freezer and I can just enjoy it knowing it didn't cost me 10 times the amount so that is the benefit but um yeah I just don't really have much time I get home from work pretty late and then I've got all my meals already set up and I've got um it labeled each day and I've done that for over a year I yeah I can't I used to um, meal prep my my treats so I would say like oh, I'll have a I'll have a cupcake on this <laughs> I'll have a cupcake every day after <laughs> and I'll have an ice cream after day. And anyone who lives with me, they would know I have a special drawer on the freezer and the fridge. You don't go near that drawer. That is my <laughs> my prepared drawer. And you know if you stole something, I would know about it. And you'd have to replace it because I would know. <laughs> That's... That's exactly what I was going to ask. It's like if you scheduled to have cupcake day on, let's say, Wednesday and someone's nicked your cupcake and you go to find your cupcake and it's not there, what what happens then? It never happened, but usually because I meal prep for the five five to seven days at a time. So if someone stole a, cu stole a cupcake on a Tuesday, they would know on the Monday to, to replace it before I found out. And I know that's happened before with ice cream because sometimes one ice cream will be gone for the next day and there'll be a whole new path. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Living with you just sounds like a wild and wacky adventure. Um, I mean, you mentioned your, your job briefly. So I always like to find out, I mean, obviously we know each other fairly well, but for the people watching, what do you do outside of pageantry? Because I always think that's an important question as well, because you're obviously not spending every day competing for a pageant or eating tuna and peas. So what do you do outside those two major life events? Yeah. <laughs> so I work in land development. So I am doing the marketing, sales, the investor relations, and yeah, a bit of everything. Everything to do with land, developing land is what I do pretty much. So I'm the communications coordinator because I communicate those different channels. And I've been doing that since 2020. And I actually um, had no experience jumping into this position. So it was kind of, I learned it on the job um, because I actually used to work for a TV show for Foxtel. And I used to interview people who um, 
were on a TV show called Industry Leaders. So I'd ask them about um, how they got to where they are today and how their business became what it was and how they're so successful. And we used to travel all around Australia. But because of the travelling, when COVID hit, so they put me in a different position and I was like, no, I'm bored. So um, someone who I used to work with, I used to work at a tile shop doing the marketing and they just said there's an, there's an opening at somewhere um, that they're an investor in and that I had an interview and it kind of just went from there. Perfect. I remember. I remember when you were working for that Fox, the Fox show. I I, for, I completely forgot that. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah that, that's right. Life before COVID, if there yeah. if there was such a thing. Um, I, I need I, I need to ask you two random questions before we actually go to the final ten questions. Number one, would you like to tell the people, lovely people watching or listening at home, who or what Enzo is? Enzo is my turtle. He, I got him when he was about this big and now he's about this big and he has cost me a fortune in upgrading tanks. Um, yeah, so I think I've had him for around three years and I am obsessed with him and one day I promise to him I'm going to build him a rainforest in my backyard. It's going to have trees and a waterfall and a big pond and surrounded by fish. And how did you pick the name Enzo? Because I think I told you Enzo is like the name of the, the founder of Ferrari. So it seems a little ironic that you named a slow animal after a Ferrari, but was it something else? Do this for the world. Turtles aren't slow. Tortoises are slow. Tortoises are slow because they have stumpy feet. Turtles are actually yes. really fun. Right. I can guarantee, I put my, if I put Enzo on the floor now, you can catch So. I have a very meaningful reason as to why I named him Enzo. <laughs> it's very deep and meaningful. So when I was at the pet shop, there was about, I don't know, a hundred turtles. They all looked the same. And there was about 10 that had a slightly darker shell. The rest were really green. So I thought, okay, I'm going to just go with the darker one just because I didn't know how to differentiate them. As I was pulling them out, they said to me, these turtles are going to live for around 80 years. You need to find one that you connect with. And I'm thinking, how am I going to connect with a turtle like this big? <laughs> it doesn't even know me. So as they were pulling him out, I think it was the third or fourth one, he jumped. He literally jumped from about two and a half metres and he his shell hit the hard ground. And you just heard like his crack. And the pet shop guy and I looked at each other like, let's, let's, <laughs> let's not say anything. We checked him and he was alive. He was missing a couple of um, <laughs> a couple of toenails, and which never grew back, by the way. And I said, I want him. And he was like, you want the one that I thought just snapped in half? I'm like, yes, because he chose me. He jumped out to me. So I wanted a name that had something to do with jumping. So I Googled Italian. I, think I, I don't know why Italian no idea but I think I had maybe the guy who was serving me was Italian I don't know there was a reason why I wanted an Italian diver name and that was the first name that came up it was a famous Italian diver <laughs> if you ask me how I name my dog I would just be like I don't know <laughs> but I know how I name my turtle <laughs> and that's what matters <laughs> I love, I just love this idea that you need to find one that you like connect with or have a bond with. And I'm like, mate, it's a turtle. Like, I don't know, how am I supposed to bond with it? 
that about fish, but now that I've got a lot of fish, I'm actually training them to like, be hand fed. And there is a bond. There is definitely a bond. <laughs> Whatever you no, say. But, but I, I'm over I, but I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the other random question I have to ask you is what is it with you and odd socks? Why can you not ever wear a matching pair? And you're going to show me up by because you're wearing matching socks now, aren't you? Actually, oh wait, how do I do this without showing my skirt? I've got clouds and then I've got what? <laughs> so don't worry, I have odd socks. <laughs> Why? Why? Okay, two reasons. Why? One is because I don't have time to go through my washing and sort them out. Why would I waste like an hour a week of my precious time? Um, and I also found that over the years, I've been doing this for about four, five, no, five years at least. Every single time I wear odd socks, it blows people's minds. It blows people's minds. People always comment like, oh, do you know your socks? Oh, like, why are you wearing matching socks? And it just makes people laugh. It's just like, it's just like the ultimate icebreaker. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. And then that's actually how my, I started the business, as you know, not, um, it's called Socks for Difference. And what I, the original plan was to have odd socks and then people would say, but that they still matched. So it might be a star and a love heart, but they're both still green and blue. So it's still matched sort of, but they were odd. And the whole point of that idea was people would, it would spark conversation. People would say, why are you wearing odd socks? And they would say, oh, because did you know this money goes to my charity and they can talk about their charity. So it was a way to raise awareness. Um, but it turns out getting odd socks made and then <laughs> it's a whole industry. It is. It would probably be a $500,000 investment. So I decided let's just do matching socks, <laughs> see if they sell first. Um, and yeah, I ended up selling I sold out on one of the designs after only a couple of weeks. So people did buy them, but they just weren't odd. So once I've sold them all, I've just got a few more thousand to go. <laughs> I will be going with the odd socks idea. Oh, will we be, the burning question on everyone's lips is, will we be seeing odd socks on the Miss Grand Australia runway? Yes. If, if I could wear socks, yes. <laughs> I don't think socks are a huge thing in pageantry. You, you uh, didn't feel like just buying like a thousand socks and then randomly mixing them up and then just selling two, like two random socks to people? I have, but the thing is mine come pre-packaged. I've actually got my own logo and it's all, it's all kind of packaged together. So it's all made overseas. Okay. All right. And that, but I knew if I opened them, I would wear them and then it, I would just end up having an, this whole walk-in robe of socks. So at least if they're packaged, I don't, I'm not tempted to, to, to use. <laughs> you talk about socks the way other pageant girls talk about junk food. It's like, if I see it, I'm going to eat it. You're like, if I see it, I'm going to wear it. Oh God. Like me at the pet shop. I used to work at a pet shop when I was younger. I used to volunteer cause I was too young to work there. And every Saturday I'd come home with other fish. My parents were like, you can never actually get a paid job there because your money would just be gone on all these fish. And to the point where I've got a reputation for it now. So every time I go to the pet shop, 
at my local pet shop they're like oh which fish are you here today for and i just keep buying tanks it's just my new um my new obsession actually are you yeah. sure like are you living in an aquarium that sounds yeah. like what you're going to have to do i actually you walk in the house because i've just moved out of home um around easter so no one can stop me from buying tanks so i thought i'm gonna put a tank in every single room so what i've done is i've put a <laughs> my roommate's like Who's this weirdo? <laughs> so i was like all right so i put a five foot tank that's like the size of a person i could fit in my i could be a mermaid in my tank so i put a five foot tank right at the entry and then you go into the living room and there's a four foot tank and then in every other room there's a about a one foot tank oh, and in my bedroom there's a massive tank as well and one day when i build again i will be building a, a built-in tank that's going to go all around my room and Another thing that no one believes me is I the house that I just moved into, I actually custom built. I, I drew the house myself and I said this is what I want. I I am not joking, I will show you the plans. I've got allocation for tank and what I've done is I've built a niche wall that goes around my main feature tank. So anyone who ever lives in the house has to put a fish tank there. Because it's all waterproof. You've all got the power, you got the special life. I feel like if I ever visited your house, I would literally be able to swim around it. Like if you connected all the tanks, people would just be able to swim from one room to another. They'd never need to get out. Well, my so my house was the last one to be built on the entire street. So a lot of my neighbours have been there for almost a year before I moved, moved in. And they all walked in and had a look at my house because, you know, they've been kind of watching the build. They've probably been sneaking yeah. in the whole time anyway and they all made a joke about how if they walked out of their house their feet would be white and I was like what does that mean and I realized it's because everything in my house is white so I kind of you had to kind of step back to think of, to realize it but every single thing is white or gray and you bet I have white and gray fish <laughs> oh dear Okay, um, I think we've that that's crazy, um, but I guess in a good way. Certainly not not a typical pageant conversation. Um, before we get to the final, before we get to the final ten, is anyone you want to give a shout out to for supporting you along your apparently crazy journey? Um, um she's probably a bigger pageant girl than I am and to all my friends and family and workplace all their support and of course to all the girls in Miss Grand Australia so it wasn't easy coming on board as a wild card um, but yeah as I'm slowly meeting all the girls today slowly um, I'm finding they're all very welcoming <laughs> especially <laughs> Especially my roommate. <laughs> if you haven't scared her off with your crazy stories, I, I wouldn't blame her if she requested her own room right now so you don't eat her face. But, you know, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, my God, let's move on to the final 10 <laughs> before we break the internet. Question one What is your favorite word? Biscoff. Oh, God, Biscoff. Um, Question 
Question two, what's your least favorite word? Um, horror. Question three, in life, what gets you excited? What turns you on? Um, accomplishing my goals. What turns you off? I don't know. Um, I think I'm very impatient. So maybe if I have too much time to do something, it's kind of like, ugh, boring. Question five, what sound or noise do you love? Um, I like the sound of the spa, the spa jazz. <laughs> and what sound or noise do you hate? My fish tanks. <laughs> they make a noise? Ah, they keep me up. What? Bedroom door, you wouldn't hear it, but it's not the same because there's another tank in the bedroom, <laughs> and then you can't think like, it's the sound of the waterfall from the tank. But then what the fish do is they get their lips and they move rocks around. <laughs> I I swear, my fish are louder than my dog. I swear, so annoying. <laughs> Anyone who watches watches this interview, when they see you on stage, you go, like, "Oh, that's that's the pee and tuna girl. Oh, that's the girl that's got all those tanks. Oh, that's the girl's got odd socks." They won't remember your name. They're just going to remember all these really weird facts about you. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Uh, question seven: If you could have any one superpower, what would you pick, and why? I would pick to be invisible, so that I could just sleep anywhere, do what I want, and no one would see me. Including your fish. Uh, question eight: What job other than your own would you most like to attempt? Oh, um, because I work in land development, it's kind of similar to real estate. So, if anything ever happened with my career, I know I've got mm -hmm. a pretty rich pathway. And what job would you definitely not like to attempt? Plumber. I know a couple of plumbers, and I it is not something that I would be willing to do enough final question if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates probably hear all your animals yeah. that would be that would be a fair few i would imagine <laughs> I, okay we are, i'm gonna thank you for your time and coming on and regaling us with with all those amazing stories that that was quite a ride um and yep look best of luck over the next couple of days thank you so much it was nice to speak to you you, know, you revealed a lot about me which probably is not a good idea <laughs> but yeah i had fun so thank you that's all that matters i feel sorry for your roommate now i will keep you on the line for just a sec whilst i hang up with the audience but thanks everyone for watching whether it's live or on the replay and we'll speak to you next time bye for now hey thanks so much for watching sorority access is now open so if you'd like to join an amazing group of women 
and learn how to be the most powerful, confident, and impactful queen possible, head to thepageantsorority.com. I'll see you there and see you in the next video.